everybody. It's Misfits Tamara. Before we jump into the episode, I just wanted to give you a heads up that we are having a bit of technical difficulty while we're recording. So there might be a part of two that's a little bit garbled, but you should still be able to understand what we said. And uh, hopefully it only happened in the one spot that we caught. And if not, then you can contact us for clarification of what was said. So here we go. Let's get into the show. Hey, everybody. What's up? I'm Sarah the Rebel. And I'm Misfits Tamara. And this is Women Wrestling Friends Podcast. New Year's. Ringing horns. Uh, If you've never been here before, hello. This is a show all women who are Uh, friends. Yep. Who watch wrestling. Mm -hmm. And we talk about that wrestling with our other friends. That's true. And this week's friend who we're talking about wrestling hails from Mars. She is an explorer from the far reaches of space. Terry Lynn. Ah, hello, hello. That was a perfect introduction. And good. Is exactly true and right in all forms. <laughs> As is everything that comes out of my mouth. And this week, we decided to kind of explain just who some of these AEW people even are. Yeah, because there's well, a lot of them and you're like, who's this guy? Or who's this lady? And why haven't I ever seen them before? But But you probably have. But you probably have. It's true. So, but first, before we dive in, uh, if you're joining us for the first time, we are now passing you a digital collection plate. We ask that you either give us five stars on iTunes or $3 on Kofi.com slash Sarah the Rebel. It's probably pronounced coffee, but but it's Kofi. But it's Kofi for us. KO-FI.com slash Sarah the Rebel. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. We like you and we appreciate your ears. Um, so, yeah. Happy New Year, everybody. We're here with Terry Lynn. Terry Lynn, would you like to tell the listeners a little bit about yourself before we get into the proper Q&A section? Sure. A little bit about myself. I am a producer for Crypt TV, which consumes so much of my life that I can't even think of anything else to tell you about myself, uh, which if anyone's unfamiliar, Crypt TV is a YouTube channel. We produce, we are the what we like to call ourselves is the Marvel for monsters. Mm-hmm. So we just make monster shorts. It's very fun. I get to play with monsters all day long and it's perfect for me. Excellent. I mean, mm-hmm. better to, to play with imaginary monsters than real ones. Um, which we'll yeah, get to a little bit of both. Yeah. Well, true. Uh, so how did you get first get into wrestling? Ah, uh, so I had a cousin who is about, well, I still have a cousin who's three years older than me. So she, we're at that, we have that age gap where she is, we can still relate to each other and enjoy the same things, but she's just old enough that she's really cool to me. Mm -hmm. So, and she lived a few hours away from me growing up and she'd spend summers with my grandma. And one summer she came, it was the summer of 98 and she had a new a new thing that she loved and that was WWF at the time. And she introduced it to me and I fell in love as well because I thought she was cool and it was cool. And then I went to my mom and I was like, mom, I love wrestling. And that excited my mother because she loved it as a child. So it was something that we could both bond over. She could go back and tell me her wrestling stories. And then she got to experience wrestling with me all over again, which was a lot of fun for her. And then it was love at first sight. I really love that your story involved so many women in getting, you You know, we often hear like um, dads or brothers, and then we do hear quite a few grandmas. So it was really cool to hear a mom and a, and a female cousin this time. Yeah, awesome. grandmas. It was actually, it was a, also, there was an aunt involved too, who was not included uh, in that story, really pushed, <laughs> uh, really pushed WWF on us. I think it was something that she could like, she could relate to because again, she watched it as a kid, but also it was easy for her to, buy stuff for us that Mm. was wrestling themed so it was she could order a t-shirt or get an action figure and christmas was ready and she didn't have to put so so much effort into finding the perfect gift Uh, but yeah it was yeah my experience did involve a lot of women which i never thought of until right now how cool (laughs) well we probably only notice these things because we we do ask a lot of people the show's been running for this will be our third year I think. I think wow. so. Uh, Time be flying. And you know, right, it really does. And, and so we're kind of, I almost wish we had written it down as we went, like kind of learning what a lot of people have in common, what mm-hmm. they don't have in common. So that's like the interesting part for us when we talk to our guests. So speaking of the commonalities, 
Who is your favorite wrestler? Uh, my favorite current wrestler or all time? Uh, you can do both if you want. Okay. Uh, all time would be Mankind. I was a spooky kid growing up. So, I mean, I'm, I'm a spooky adult. I just grew into it. And the first time that I saw him, I was like, oh, okay, this is this is weird. He wasn't so overly spooky like Undertaker was, but there was something that was just there was it, he was off in mm-hmm. every way you could think of. And I really enjoyed it. And the first pay-per-view that I saw was Hell in a Cell oh. with him and Undertaker. And that was that was a moment that I vividly remember being like like it took my breath away as a kid watching it in a really good way and that hadn't happened because i was a child things don't happen like that very often for children but just the impact that he had for me and all of the all of my memories when it comes to wrestling and being a kid usually involve him mick foley was that the one where he went through the cage <clears throat> yeah mm-hmm. so uh, the other day, I did a <laughs> choke slam at a match that I didn't know I was doing, and neither did my opponent because there was a miscommunication. Ah. And the promoter said it was very mankind telling us sell out. It's a sloppy, is... you going to get on the ground somehow kind of movement. Ah, that is exciting and terrifying. But you made it. All of the feelings. You, you made it. it. <laughs> you live to tell that tale. So Mankind was your, is your all-time favorite and probably who you imprinted on at that time. Was there a second yeah. that you kind of like gravitated towards during that time? Because I'm always interested. So, like We never get to ask this, but like second fave is always a little bit fascinating to me as well. Second fave. Yeah, actually. Well, I have. Um, I, <laughs> yes, I do. I have. It's tied with three people for second fave. And I think it's all because they were they played some role of my sexual awakening as a, as a young yeah, adult. Yeah, get, let's do this. <laughs> All right. So the first one is, was edge. Sure. Because he, again, spooky. He, mm-hmm. he had that vampire quality about him mm-hmm. and, uh, Jeff Hardy. Of course. Which is like, mm-hmm. I, of course, like yeah. very little basic of me. I know, I know. And then third was Lita. Yep. <laughs> the holy triumvirate Which, again yeah where it's like, like and, i know so much about your sexual awakening just yeah, from that, <laughs> from that. It, it, yeah uh i tell people that all the time like here's a little tidbit about me these three people really really shaped and formed a lot of things about me uh um, and if you want to know about me the kidnapping of Steffi to get married yep that ah, there we go <laughs> yep yep yeah oh yeah on brand <laughs> super on brand i just saw the rock once and i was like hey um hello hello yeah that's i mean it's not even i'm a little bit older than you guys so i don't know how much of an awakening it was more so of a solidification of type um the rock actually plays it has a special place in my heart because i uh i think because i love horror so much it's really easy for me to love comedy because they're basically the same thing Mm -hmm. and watching him during that era was first of all what growth and character development Mm -hmm. but he was so funny and so subtle and just really smart about it and as a kid i remember even watching him and being like you you're special and the way you're doing this is special good for you (laughs) i like the good for you it is you know what i there is a kind of uh bruce campbell as ash quality to the rock during some of that time now that you mention it. Yeah, he's I, very it was very comedic to me. I can see watching that. him. His and he's like his face is so expressive. I mean, obviously, um, he's got a beautiful, gorgeous face, but it's also quite funny too mm-hmm. when you get to pay when you pay attention to it. So since you're a fan of horror and spooky and all that kind of stuff, and you you know, you did mention the Undertaker uh, Wait, mankind. Okay. Did you Wait. say who your, your current favorite is? Oh no, we didn't get that. Oh Sorry. my current my favorite. I didn't so Current favorite's tough because it's I tie so much to memory. That's I'm a very emotional person. I have so many thoughts and feelings. So currently, I I really love Shinsuke. Uh, I, of course, because there's something a little bit spooky about him too. When he comes out, you're like, hmm, what's, uh, what's happening here? Who are you? What what's your story? Um, and then I am really fond of currently Orange Cassidy. Mm. 
where I think that there's something again special about him where it's it's like obviously he's comedic but I think that he possesses like a certain quality that I just love seeing in performers I mean he does have a solid following for as which is interesting considering especially on AEW he hasn't really done anything yet done nothing yeah I mean but it's a good nothing like it's a it's a a well-used nothing um, and I think, you know, when you when you watch him on the indie scene, I've seen him a, at a few shows. Um, he's just so different from everybody else. And you if you have any sort of understanding of what it takes to move your body, you're able yeah. to appreciate that he is incredibly athletically gifted, which is hilarious because his gimmick is looking really, really, really lazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, I mean, doing a lot of the things he does with hands in pockets. Uh, and making it look effortless is, yeah. I mean, how could you not appreciate that? Yeah. And I always go into mom mode when I see it, where I'm like, this is dangerous, stop. And then <laughs> he does it and he lands it. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. You can That's do it me. one more time. Oh, I'm so glad I'm not alone in yeah. that. I'm always like, why would you do that? No, I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, 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 no. And then he does it. I'm like, yes, that was all I ever wanted. Thank you. That's like me in the barricades at all the AEW shows. I'm like, they're not padded enough. Please stop going into the, the sides. My precious wrestling babies. Um, uh, yeah, so, so, okay, so we're talking about the stuff in the spooky biz. So do you like hardcore matches or is it like 50-50 or like what's, what's your feel on them? Um, I do, I like ho- hardcore matches to an extent. Mm-hmm. Uh. Especially now, as I as a kid, I loved them. I was like, yes, more hardcore matches because I just thought that everything, all of it, was entirely fake and nobody was getting hurt even a little bit, and that was cool to me. Now, as an adult doing what I do, I know that hardcore matches are hardcore matches still, mm-hmm. and they're really tough to do. They're really tough on the body, and so there's something about it where I'm like, again, mom mode. Where I'm like, oh, please stop. Mm-hmm. But then it happens, and I'm like, oh, okay. Um, so I do love, I do like hardcore matches to an extent. I, I mean, I love, I love a little blood here and there always. It gets me going. I think I talked about this with you tomorrow a little bit that I have a very like sinister thing inside of me where I'm watching a match and I want to feel like somebody is going to get hurt. I never want to see anyone get hurt ever, but I want to feel like it could happen. Mm -hmm. So hardcore matches definitely do that for me, but then sometimes it's, I'm a little, it's a little too much for me. It's a little too real. Yeah. Something that um, uh, I think really helps understand like people who like the different companies, because for example, a lot of the new Japan fans were saying this week while, while Wrestle Kingdom was happening or last week, whichever, uh, my days are blending together. um, How it looked like every single match, you could tell someone that that was a real fight and they would believe you. Mm. Uh, Yeah. You know, so being able to suspend disbelief to that point where like, maybe, Maybe I, I'm on the edge of my seat. Somebody might die tonight right here in front of me. Yeah. Yeah. I never want that. But mm-hmm. it's kind of there's like a little bit of a rush when you're like, maybe, maybe it can happen. Um, but I always I always like to be the one that's like, no, I, I know. I know that there's a difference here and I can clearly see that difference. Maybe like not to the average bear, but I, I want to be the one that can see that difference. Um, and then I can just kind of convince myself that it's it's all real and it's totally it's it's all happening right in front of me. Mm-hmm. Real life. Uh, speaking of happening in front of you, have you been able to go to any local shows? I haven't gone to any local shows in a, in a while. I would say like eight months or so. A while. Uh, <laughs> a while. It's been about eight months since I've gone to a local show. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, the last local show that I went to, I was a little bit stoned. Mm. and it's legal in California and it just didn't wear off as quickly as I thought it would. And it was a really good experience for me, but I don't know exactly how much I experienced. So I would say that the, it's been more closer to a year than a month. <laughs> control delete. That one is just like a asterisk, yeah. you know, it's like, I dreamed yeah. that one. Uh, yeah. It felt, it did felt, it felt very dreamy. Uh, what show was it? Um, so you don't even remember oh, what God. show it was, yeah? No, I don't. It was like it was a, it was 
very indie and it was for a friend's birthday. I don't even remember. I'm so sorry. <laughs> you know, it's funny too, like real quick about the it's legal in California thing. Um, so my mom and family lives in Virginia and my whole life, you know, we've always been anti-drug, but like in college I became very like, okay, if people want to smoke weed, like who cares if alcohol is legal, there's literally no reason weed should like be legal. If you made alcohol legal again, then I could be like, okay, I get it. And, yeah. but I never like talked with my family about that. And I don't smoke weed personally and neither do does anyone in my family, um, my immediate family. And then the other day, come to find out, ev- my mom and both my sisters also wholeheartedly agree that weed should be legal. And I'm like, uh, shock of the century. Because <laughs> like, wait, what? It's my drug head. I was like, oh, Back up a little bit. got on that now, huh? <laughs> yeah. A uh, similar thing to happened with me with my family. My family lives in Michigan now. So it's like they are, they are starting to experience what California experienced a few years ago. And... Uh, my mom is so excited, like <laughs> more excited than she should be. I mean, it's not really going to change a whole lot in her life, but I was shocked to find out that my mom's like, yeah, like this is so, this is such a good thing. I'm so happy about it. Like, I mean, good for you, mom, be happy about it. But like, where did this come from? Right. Who is this person? The 60s <laughs> the 70s, yeah, the that's 60s. That's where it came from. That's where it came from. Yeah. 60s and 70s. All their friends growing plants in their rvs and taking weird cross-country trips doing weird hippie shit that's what i think oh weird hippie stuff weird hippie stuff stuff that hippies do all right um so that was a lovely conversation to warm us up i appreciate all of that information and loveliness so what we're going to do now is current events (laughs) oh yes we are okay so before shit's been spicy shit has been as fuck on wrestling twitter (laughs) um we'll start with kind of in order we're gonna start with two negative things and then end you on two positive things so that we we end this on a high note but um rory gulak who is the brother of the gulak we all know Mm -hmm. and and love drew is that his name drew yes drew (laughs) (laughs) it's drew i had a a moment of being like wait what's his brother's name again yes so rory gulak used to hop in my dms but i could clearly see he had a girlfriend and i was like what are you doing and then i found out he does that for everyone Mm. um and he was weird about it he never said anything inappropriate it was just strange that somebody would just you know uh, invite themselves to talk with me like we were friends. So that's the only reason why I even kind of noticed this story go by because he mainly wrestled in like Chikara and stuff like that. So very far away from where I wrestle. Um, well, quite unfortunately, he has been accused of owning child pornography and sleeping with underage girls. Yeah. Um, grand opening, yeah. grand closing. Grand opening, grand closing. <laughs> and they were, sh- uh, there were screenshots shared to the point where people got, um, the authorities involved. So in the meantime, Shakara and Russell factory, um, have parted ways with him over this misconduct. And, uh, we'll, we'll see what unfolds, but you know, there's, um, a, a, a surprise. I don't want to say a surprising number of pedophiles in wrestling. I guess it's just that there's probably a surprising number of pedophiles in the world. Sure. And yeah. then yeah. find out someone, you know, through wrestling is, and you're like, what? It's surprising in that it is above zero. Yes, exactly. I think that's that's what it is. Like there should be none, but there are. There should be none. Yes, there a, should be none, but there a, are. Yeah, a couple that it's also so should. Prompt. I mean, out here in SoCal, we had a ref, and then to make matters worse, the ref, the ref was like dating a girl who looked like a child too. Gross. So it was just, oh, yeah, I know, it was extra bad. And it was this whole thing. And then people said they didn't want to work with this one company anymore. But, uh, you know, it's kind of been smoothed over with the companies. But I don't believe that ref is refing anymore. Um, so, yeah, we'll see how this unfolds, if it's true or, or not. You know, because even if they eventually find out it's not true, um, you know, what what sort of relationships are still going to be there in the wrestling world. So anyway, that was one controversy. And I did hear from someone um, who wrestles at Shikara, just how shocking it was to her and how it kind of really threw her off because, um, and she was saying, you know, you know, these people, you're friends with them, you speak with them. Um, You know, I felt the same way about that. The ref who I just mentioned, you know, um, finding out that the person you, you, hug or say hi to is a pedophile is not a fun feeling it's very stressful too yeah do not like it 
So, you know, stop it. Uh, and now this is my favorite bit because I've been holding on to my bile uh, for at least a year now. Uh, the Tessa uh, stuff has popped off, which uh, I've been waiting for, to be real honest. Um, so if you guys haven't heard, uh, so Tessa was coming up on the pay-per-view on Impact this weekend. She's you know going to be intergender wrestling for the title. Woo, fun stuff, right? So she posts this tweet about Oh, isn't it great when women support women or something to that nature, which is a perfectly fine tweet. No, it was phrase ruder. Like it was like, women, why don't you try supporting each other? Like it was phrased more like, I'm sorry. It was, it was grossly (laughs) phrased because it's Tessa. Um, So she posted that. And then a lot of women were like a word and receipts became raining from the sky. Uh, let's see. We got, let's see, Priscilla, uh, Allison, Isla Dawn, Chelsea Green, a whole bunch of people were uh, just unfurling these long receipts about various stories, including a fight that broke out during a rumble match that had to be broken up during the match that then spilled over into the uh, locker room afterwards with a different girl and uh, somebody had to break it up. And that the guy who had to break it up confirmed it on the thread that somebody was talking about. It. So and you can watch Priscilla slap the shit out of Tessa during that match. Oh yeah, you can it's hear it. There's video. Ooh, it's beautiful. It. Yeah, yeah. You can, it's a good one. It's a nice open-handed a just little slap. Just felt my whole soul feel joy. So the reason why Tamara is telling you she's had to sit on this for a while is guess what, guys? I was one of the people Tessa has bullied. And of course, I told my best friend about it. But every time someone's been on the show or I've been on a show and they go, how's it working with Tessa Blanchard? I've always been professional, of course, and said, oh, you know, just like working with anybody else. When inside in my heart, I wanted to say it was a living nightmare. And now that the controversy is out and other people way more powerful than I am feel comfortable talking about it. I feel empowered to talk about it as well. So I had, um, oh, and also we, I'm not sure tomorrow if you mentioned her spitting on, uh, no, I didn't. Negra. Yeah, no, I didn't say the, that exactly what happened, so, but feel free to go into that. Uh, so that happened in Japan. Tessa spat on a black woman wrestler and called her the N word. Uh, that woman wrestler then from what I've heard, beat the snot out of Tessa. Um, but you know, people, People will phrase things how they want to phrase it. The issue that people had is saying, oh, why is it coming out now? Um, which just speaks to how um, how much white wrestling fans don't understand what it's like to be a wrestler of color. Um, you know, you have on one side, you have a woman wrestler who is the daughter of wrestling legends. Um, and on the other side of things, we have a black woman who is uh, Afro-Latina, also doesn't speak English like that perfectly. You know, which one is are, are people going to believe? Which, which would companies place more faith into? And you have to understand that generally, black women wrestlers have it a lot tougher. It's harder for them to get booked. It's much harder for them to get booked overseas. So now, especially with Japan, how Japan is, if you say, oh, there was a fight involving a black woman wrestler and a white woman wrestler, most Japanese companies are going to assume that the black woman started the fight because they still have a lot of the hangups over there that we have hopefully moved a little bit more past in America, but like it's way more of a thing still over there. So La Negra Rosa had to think about her career before sharing the story anywhere and decided to do the professional thing, which is, you know, not to try and make it a big deal. Tessa was kicked out of the WWE PC for bullying. You know, like we've had stories about Tessa being like this this whole time. And so to see fans turn around and say, oh, the timing of this, it literally had nothing to do with the timing and everything to do with that. Every one of us that she's bullied saw the tweet mm-hmm. and j- just were like, are you fucking kidding me? How dare you tweet this? That was what the issue is. If she had tweeted that tweet at another time, the timing wouldn't have been what it was. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, so that the main reason why people I think are not believing the stories um, because, and also even if they did believe the story, Hulk Hogan is on record saying the n-word and look how terribly it's impacted his career oh it has it (laughs) he just had to like be underground for a minute and also yeah the timing is this is what the timing is timing is is tessa should have sat there and ate her food if she didn't say a damn thing nobody was saying anything just sat there and Mm -hmm. ate her food and 
I don't understand. Like, oh man, I want to punch her so bad. Um, <laughs> she's such an asshole, and it's so hard because. <laughs> oh. You know, Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say it's so hard because it's like, yeah, she's very talented. She's a talented wrestler. She was really bad for a minute and then she like clicked and everything was working and she's talented in the ring, but she's a fucking terrible person. And so every person that comes on the show is like, she's real great. And I'm like, yeah, she's very talented in the ring. And I can't say that I want to punch her in the tank because that's, I can't, right. it's not my story to tell. And I do right. boo her every time I'm at a show where she's at <laughs> I, with, with just with all of my band lungs, I just really get that diaphragm going and I just boo her with, uh, with every inch of my, my soul. Uh, and I want to address one more little thing too. Um, a lot of the wrestlers, uh, wrestling fans, excuse me, have said, Oh, but she was really nice to me. I'd like to remind you, all of you, I'm sorry to say this, but almost every wrestler you meet is going to be nice to you. Because our goal is to sell merchandise, to put butts in seats, to build fans so that we can work more places. Like, that's just what it is. So to say, oh, Tessa was so nice to you. Yeah, she was trying to get you to spend some money. She was trying, you know, she was trying to get you to be a fan who supports her. So when she tweets and companies go, oh, wow, this tweet had 65,000 impressions. Like, that's why people like that are, are nice. So to say that your five to 10 minute interaction with her as a fan is comparable to those of us who've had to be backstage and work with her. It suggests that maybe people forget the definition of a bully. A bully is somebody who picks on people that are weaker than them in some way that are in a, a less favorable position. Tessa doesn't bully Brian Cage. Tessa probably acts to, to Brian Cage like the nicest person in the whole world. Tessa doesn't bully um, an executive at a company she works for. She doesn't bully, um, the the head of wow you know she doesn't bully selena majors she bullies the people who are powerless the new girls the rookies people who she thinks aren't on her level and don't have any power to influence her like that's who she bullies yeah yep yeah and uh her promos are weak and you can tell because she almost always calls somebody a bitch during them so you know Get your vocabulary up, you whore. Okay, I'm sorry. That's rude. And speaking of promo, she did address, we have anger. The bullying that she yeah. did to me was called for. It hurt me for a long time. It, it really ruined my belief in myself and made me want to quit being a wrestler. And it wasn't until Jessica Havoc contacted me out of the blue to tell me that she really liked my, um, my promos uh, and my character work that I even thought, okay, maybe I won't give up then. Um, but... Uh, <clears throat> you can you can tell that it's bad because i'm generally sunshiny and all i want to do is verbally tear her apart and also physically so like you can tell it's bad because like i'm not necessarily a person who's like i'm a fight like i jokingly said no but i really i want to i want to fight her like legitimately i want to fight her i won't but legitimately i do i can just hold her by the head she's so short and just like wear just don't aim swing. for the chin anyway <laughs> so um, that's the Tessa controversy. That's a little explanation from one of the people who have been bullied. And then real quick, just to say, um, in my tweet, I said, nobody cared. And I was talking about wrestling as a whole. I truly do not believe this will affect her in any way. Yes. She lost one booking. Um, I think at the end of the day, Tessa is going to be completely fine. No one was doing this to stop her career. Everyone was doing it because she's being a hypocrite and we all wanted to share our stories about how we've been affected, um, negatively. Almost every, New girl in WoW has experienced her bullying. So anyway, WoW sent out a message and they asked us not to say anything. Um, they later, once we all reached back out to WoW, they realized that what they were trying to do is to ask us not to speculate and cause Twitter drama. What they didn't realize was the depth of her actions within WoW itself. They hadn't stepped back and looked. They'd seen individual things, but they hadn't really understood what all went down. And after that, they then messaged us back saying that... Um, you know, there's understanding of them having such a diverse roster that they did want to clarify that um, they are committed to this diverse roster and that they know that they could never stand in the shoes of the people of color, um, women wrestlers, but that uh, they hope to always create a place where we all feel safe and empowered to discuss these sorts of things. So like, don't worry about not saying anything. They hadn't thought about it from that perspective, um, you know, and they want to always try to make sure that this is a comfortable place for everyone to work uh, and for everyone to feel like they have an opportunity and a voice. And I thought that was really amazing of wow to like learn 
kind of very immediately listen to what everyone was saying and learn and absorb um, and come back with that that new answer was kind of a big deal to me. That is actually super great. And I'm uh, uh, very uh, buoyed by this. You know, it's like, oh, it, it lifts up, lifts me up out of this sort of uh, pit of anger that I was sitting in for about the last six minutes or so when we were talking about this whore. Um <laughs> Uh, sorry, Terry Lynn. It's never normally like this tomorrow. <laughs> she is the good one. I am. Um, I'm. I'm living for this side of tomorrow. Honestly, her promos are bad. I'm just going to say that to people whenever they make me mad. Oh, that, and you your promos are bad. Yep. Yes. That's thank gonna, you that's for like, reminding me. That's yeah. where I was going with that. She did mention in a promo when she won the championship, um, she did touch on the controversy in a very bad promo. Mm -hmm. It was bad. It was just like, <laughs> it was like, well, you know, people are just going to say stuff about me and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, that is... I have a very strong mind. Yeah, I have a very strong mind. I have the strongest mind of anyone I know. Just shut up. Shut up. <laughs> shut up. I've never met someone with a strong mind who has to say, I, I have a very strong mind. Mm -hmm. well, just yeah. so you know, I have a very strong mind. That's, you I'm, don't usually have to say it. You don't, because she sucks. She sucks at promos. <laughs> we gotta move. We gotta move past this. Okay, so tomorrow. Can I get? I can get out of the <laughs> dark tomorrow. <laughs> this is why you don't mess with tomorrow's friends. That was the lesson here. So on to positive things. Yes. Positivity. Um, Viva Van, we've had on our show in the past as a guest. Um, she's an indie wrestler. She is raising money for the Vietnam wrestling scene right now. If you go to her Twitter, which I think is Viva Van Official. Yes. Yes. Viva Van Official. Um, she is posting about it all the time. And, if, and we'll share a direct link as well to the fundraiser. But basically right now, the Vietnam wrestling scene is having to use like mats on the floor and stuff. And so they're trying to raise money to get a ring made. So we really hope that you support them because they're doing a really awesome thing, trying to help another country get their wrestling scene going. All the wrestlers around the world. It's it's the kind of news so, we like. Oh. It is the kind of news we like. Dan Barry decided to counter all the negativity of this week by asking people to share one positive thing that a wrestler has DM'd them. So we're gonna talk about a few because it's happy and I don't have to call any of these people names. <laughs> uh let's see. Uh, Let's see. Uh, one of the nice things I'm gonna start with, like the the one that means the most to me in my heart, because uh, Jordan Grace talked about uh, Biggie uh, seeing. Oh no, not Biggie. Sorry, Big Show. Wrong, wrong dude with the big titties. Uh, big Show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, big Show was uh, talking to her and uh, reminded her that she should wear knee pads, and so she started wearing them again, so she doesn't blow out her her very strong and capable legs. Very strong and capable. Um, my friend and referee Odie Brown uh, said that Kofi Kingston recorded a video message telling his girlfriend, who had a huge crush on him, uh, that she was the most beautiful girl in the world. Oh, see, Aww. and we love Kofi. We do. Very sweet. Um, I know for me, it was the Jessica Havoc story because it was at a time where I really, really needed to pick me up. <laughs> and then. Um uh, Kenny King told Andy Dalton that he was really proud of him and his journey and that, uh, you know, he's a star in case he doesn't hear it enough. So just, you know, messages of encouragement. It sounds like a lot of um, messages to fans just saying thank you, you know, when they do art or when they message them that, you know, something important has happened. Um, and it's just a nice thread of encouragement and positivity. So we will also be tweeting that out for you guys to see as well. Yes. Bask in its uh, glorious happiness. Clean yourself in the waters of Lake Cheerful Children. Yes. And now, our main topic. Woo! Main topic. Uh, main topic. Uh, so, yeah. So, we're going to talk about uh, some of these faces in AEW that you may not be super familiar with, which will probably be at least half of them. But we're... It's, a it's kind of a lot of people. I don't know how many we're going to get through, but we want to talk about as many as we'd like. Well, and, and with that said, Terry Lynn, do you watch AEW? I do watch AEW. It's actually currently because of my schedule. It's the only thing that I can invest even a little bit of time in. So uh, I'm fascinated by the business side of AEW. But um, it's, yes, it is, the, it is what I am currently watching. 
So is there somebody on the roster right now that you'd like to know more about? Because maybe we've researched them. <laughs> or someone you <laughs> talk about. Um, so someone that I'm not like so, so familiar with is Peter Avalon. I was introduced to him through AEW and like, I saw like a few things here and there, but I didn't like put so much interest in it, but through the grapevine, I've had a lot of people tell me that I should be paying more attention to Peter Avalon. Um, so yeah, any research there guys? Tell me about him. So we've known Pete Pete for a while now. Big old Uh, Pete. He is from the SoCal wrestling scene. And he started in 2008, so I can't do math, but what's that, like 12 years of wrestling? Yes. Uh, Originally, when he first started, he was a super skinny guy um, who could do a bunch of cool flippy things, right? So he's like in SoCal Pro and Mach 1 and New Wave and AWS, um, PWG, which a lot of people know about outside of California. Out of all these is probably... PWG, he's like um, been like a local competitor on TNA and WWE before. Um, people who know him really well probably best know him for being on Championship Wrestling from Hollywood and Bar Wrestling. Um, in particular, though, the reason you should really know who Peter Avalon is is because he's in a tag team with a guy called Ray Rosas, and this tag team is called PP Ray, which gives you an idea of the kind of silliness that they get up to. They used to come up to the song, You're My Obsession, You're My Obsession. Mm-hmm. You know that song? Oh, mm-hmm. my God. And they would come out, and they would do this amazing dance. And it got stripperier, stripperier, <laughs> and stripperier. Every year, it got more. They, suddenly, they were in fishnets. Suddenly, they were in short shorts. It got sexier. There was money and drinks in the mouth. Mm-hmm, there was. Mm-hmm. It just got sexier and sexier every time to the point where they were just basically we're coming out and doing amazing wrestling and amazing tag team wrestling. Sure. But they were also just being a token for, Hey, it's totally okay for men to embrace their sexuality and be really, and really think that they're sexy and hot. And you can see in Peter's face, he believed it. Mm -hmm. Lots of body rolls, lots of, you know, the the hand drags up the body, you know, a lot of those guys. Uh, Uh, out and swinging it around. mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was having witnessed it at bar wrestling, like live. Like, there's a lot of videos like floating on Twitter, and I'm sure there's full matches on. I mean, there's definitely full matches on YouTube, but like witnessing it live, and particularly the audience where a lot of legitimately straight dudes, who are yep. maybe twenty percent not straight, really just questioning <laughs> their lives in that moment, but like being super into it. And I think that's like an in, like that's such an interesting thing for the indie scene versus like. Mm-hmm like WWE fans, like indies, indie fans are so into weirdness and will participate yeah. in like the grossest shit just because mm-hmm. it's funny and it's fun. And, and yes, that's... like literally like fans, male fans, male fans who are straight bending under Peter Avalon and accepting liquor from his mouth. Mm-hmm. Like, like a baby really, bird. Yeah. Like a baby like bird. A baby Very, bird. Things that would make you wonder if every single man in the audience is, in fact, gay, which I think wrestling needs more of because it just felt good to watch. It felt good to watch all these men not feel like they had to be like, oh, I'm, I'm not gay, bro. Like yeah. every dude was just like, ah, I cry to my face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think be, not not having a no homo energy about you is very sexy. And anybody who's very comfortable with whoever they're into is great. And I think I wish more people would 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 just really embrace that. Um, yeah, it's good stuff. It's good. The other good notable stuff. thing about Peter is that um, he had a feud with David Arquette because he helped train David Arquette a bunch. Um, he, uh, I won't tell you a match to go watch just out of cruelty. I mean, David's doing the best he can. I love David Arquette, but. Um, it, it really, it, there is a match where you, if you do happen upon it, you will see what a great wrestler Peter Avalon is. Uh, and that's all I'll say about that. So anyway, so we've said all this to say, it's very funny that he's there as a librarian mm-hmm. because he came from being this very, like, even when he wasn't P.P. Ray being very sexy, he was still pretty Peter Avalon wearing a big purple robe covered in diamonds, right? So, so he's gone from being these very flamboyant characters into being the librarian. But still, but still with a sparkly uh, 
But a saucy librarian. Yeah, like a, the, a saucy. Yes. Yeah, like a saucy, I, saucy librarian. I'm into it. I'm sold. Yeah. I think he's excellent in that role. Yeah, he is. He's is really fun. Very few people can do like that level of comedy without it and have it really work. You know, there's a lot of people who kind of try being funny and it doesn't quite land. But uh, this this works. Like it shouldn't dating work, but it works. Really, dating my ex really got me to notice people who are good at physical comedy. Mm. So that's the kind of comedy you do without speaking. And Peter is a master. Like he'll just be on the side managing Leva Bates and I watch him instead of her because I'm like, what are you going to do? Yeah, it's he's good. He is good. Good valeting and also sometimes reverse valeting when he's going and Leva does weird stuff. Um, is there anyone else you're 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 curious about, Terry Lynn? Um, that I'm curious about. So I I think that I have a pretty good grasp on AEW, but I wanted to bring up the butcher, the blade, and the bunny, mostly because it intersects so much with my youth because of every time I die and being a um the first time that they came out I did wasn't expecting to see uh to see the blade come out and when I saw it I was like wait a minute all of my worlds are intersecting right now and this is this is new and interesting for me and totally unexpected uh so when I was younger I would like I would go and see every time I die at the Flint local, which is where I'm from. I'm from Flint, Michigan. And how, yeah, having those two intersect was like, wait, what, what's happening? Um, so yeah, they were one, they were just like, so totally unexpected for me. So for anyone who doesn't know the butcher, the blade and the bunny, um, I was first introduced to the, I was first introduced to the butcher and the blade through Tyler Bateman because they actually teamed up uh, a few times. And that's when I, found out about every time I die. So I'm going to ask you more about that in a second. But um, the butcher is from NXT uh, is where you may have seen him. He also has been wrestling on the indie scene for 20 years, 20 Um, years, 20 years. The bunny is Allie from impact. She's been wrestling for 15 years. Mm. She's a two time impact knockouts champ. Um, But now we're going to talk about the blade who plays rhythm guitar for every time I die. So can you talk about every time I die? Who are they? What type of music do they make? Like what kind of an impact? Like, are are they a huge band? Like just talk about that for our fans. Yeah. So, okay. So every time I died, they have been around for a while. I think that they have been around since I grew, I grew into them. So I'm going to say 2000. I could be wrong. It might be a little bit earlier than that. And they are a hardcore punk band. I think they're from New York. Uh, I got into them because I was I was dating a guy who was in a band, of course. And he he would play. He would open for them sometimes. And so I would go and see their shows when I was younger. And they would play at this place called the Flint Local. And the Flint Local is like this music venue that everybody from Michigan loves and goes to. Um, I think that their last album came out in like 2015 or 16 sorry guys i'm getting these dates wrong but i think i think i'm right um and yes they've just been around forever and if you haven't heard them i highly suggest taking taking a listen they've evolved so much through the time that they've been a band that it's super interesting to of course go back to listen to their album from like 2006 and then listen to their most latest album it's like you grew up with them as well like as they were growing um yeah take a listen to them they're very fun very fun hardcore band awesome you learn something new every day guys every day i got to go out last year on my birthday so this is almost one year ago to it might even be one year ago when this comes out um i got to go out to dinner with um the blade and his girlfriend who is a fitness model and Brody king and his wife and uh tyler bateman and we went to some like what I would call like an old white person restaurant, you know, the type where you go to where the yeah. food isn't that great, but like it's yeah. kind of expensive and it's like a cool thing to go to. <laughs> it's so sad to describe it. Um, and they bought all this delicious food. So that was wonderful. I felt like, oh, good birthday to me. It was just a coincidence. But there was a jazz band with some really, really old guys playing, right? Like grandpa on the weekends plays in a jazz band type thing. Um 
And I'm not really paying attention to the band because they're kind of background music, right? Um, well, I don't know if you guys know about this, but Brody King is also in a band. Mm-hmm. So suddenly, um, the Blade is like, man, do you hear this? And Brody's like, yeah, they are getting it right now. Like, apparently, <laughs> this little jazz band that's playing, like, background music was doing, like, such a high skill level of playing that both of these, like, musician guys were, like, blown away. I thought that was a funny little moment of just seeing two young guys really into, uh, well, not that young, the Blade isn't that young, but, like, seeing two guys really appreciate um, some old folks jamming. And then the rest of us completely unappreciative of the jamming that was going on. I appreciate the level of tattoos involved of the people appreciating a art form that is not normally uh, associated with said tattoos. It's good. Yeah. So the blade is the newest guy here. We got a 15 year veteran, a 20 year veteran, and then we've got the rhythm guitar player. So, I can't wait to see what they do in AEW. Yeah, and, I, and shout out to uh, Allie's little bunny masks. They're super cute and a little bit menacing. I appreciate them. <laughs> I accidentally not- bought that bunny mask uh, two years ago. Well, not so. Well, actually, it was accidentally because it act- it comes with that bunny mask. It used to. It used to come with like a little cloak, a little uh-huh. lace cloak. And I didn't know that it came with a bunny mask. And then when I opened up my Amazon box, I pulled it out. And surprise, there it was. So now you have a nice, the, little, a nice little gift. Yeah. And, and you can you have a costume already set for Halloween. I do. I have a cosplay for, for any day that I want to cosplay as her. That's true. Cosplay every day, guys. Live your best life. Live your best life. Um, I would like to mention Penelope Ford, bad girl Penelope Ford. Because um, I I appreciate that she even though in the she mostly valeted on the the proper broadcast. I don't know if they've I haven't watched uh, last week's, so I don't know if she made it onto the, the broadcast in a proper match. But she's been able to pull off some really cool moves interfering with people, which I appreciate. And uh, she's valeting for Kip, Kip Sabian, and she has been wrestling since uh, 2014, and uh, that's. She seems like she's much newer, but she's, you know, she's been here for a minute and I appreciate her. She seems like she has some potential. So I appreciate her. And I also want to quickly mention Big Swole, because if you've listened to our podcast, you know that we love Big Swole. She used to be Errol Monroe for anybody who uh, doesn't know that change happened. Um, She is married to Cedric Alexander. She's been in the Mae Young Classic, and she's one of the most charismatic indie wrestlers, uh, just period. And I love her. Y'all do. Uh, All right, guys. Well, it looks like we're coming up on the time. So do we want to do just one more and then, then, okay, who should we talk about? I don't know. I'm trying to figure out who's like. Who's someone that people would know about? I feel like people looked up Jungle Boy, you know, because he's Luke Perry's son. Mm -hmm. Darby Allen. Um, might be somebody that people don't really know that much about. Yeah, I think they. he does seem like he kind of came out of nowhere, but he started in 2015. Um, he used to uh, wrestle in the name Darby Graves, which is also an excellent name. Um, and he was at the World Wrestling Network and Evolve. And while he was at Evolve, he did he had matches with Velveteen Dream, Mustafa Ali, Cassius Ono, and Roderick Strong during that time. And he also was at uh, Lucha Libre Triple A Worldwide and a 2018 in progress wrestling. So he's been like in some really great matches over the like relatively short amount of time, but still much longer than you remember. Cause it's 2020 guys. Oh man. <laughs> the- so he's uh, married to Priscilla Kelly and sometimes they tag and it's very enjoyable. Um, he is straight edge, which might surprise you. Cause you see a guy on a skateboard covered in um, skeleton face paint with dyed hair. And you, you know, you think to yourself, that man definitely smokes weed, mm-hmm. uh, but he's straight edge. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I also found out in my research that he was on ridiculousness, uh, that MTV show for you youngins who still watch MTV um, back in the day doing dangerous stunts. So wrestling was perfect for him. There's a video, of, uh, if you want to watch, I think it was from Suburban Fight, where he gets on his skateboard and he skates towards Brody King, and Brody King lariats him off of the skateboard. <laughs> <It's> seeming death. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate how much it seems like he's dying 
when big moves happen to him. Like that's really good selling. Like the, you know, like the dead fish flop kind of thing that happens. It's, it's disconcerting and impressive. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, thank you for chatting with us, Terry Lynn. Ah, thanks for having me. It was so much fun. If you to tell somebody that like there's somebody they should be watching, someone they should be supporting, who would you like to tell our listeners that they should throw their, their wrestling love behind? Their wrestling love behind. Um, I actually, now that you brought up Priscilla Kelly, I do really like Priscilla Kelly. I think that, um, I, and the reason why I like her is because I just, I, I, again, going into mom mode, I just feel like, oh, you, you have so much ahead of you and I, I believe in you. So I, and like you said, her and Darby Allen, I love them together when they tag together. And I think that she is just as special as he is. I would love to see more of her. Awesome. I love that answer. That's a great answer. So, Yay. yeah. Um, I would like to apologize for calling Tessa a whore because I did not <laughs> I did not mean to offend any actual whores. Whores are great. Um, I'm very pro-whore. Yeah, I am. I'm sorry. I, I just, I, I realized, I, it just came to me, like, I was like, that's, that, you know, I don't, I don't want to offend. Uh, yeah, whores are great. They're, they're lovely people. Yeah. But you know who's not great? Just, bullies. Bullies are, they, they suck. So uh, I just want to throw that out. Cause you know. Good. Thank you for, for catching that. So shout out to allgates.com, our parent site. You can find us at Twitter at women wrestling F. Don't take out of us if you liked what you heard. Um, remember to go on iTunes and give us some stars. Uh, tell the folks at home where they can find you tomorrow. You can find me on the Twitter and sometimes on Instagram at Misfits Tomorrow. Terry Lynn, if you would like people to find you anywhere, feel free to put something over. Yeah, uh, I am mostly on Instagram and you can find me at TL Troxel and I'll spell it for you because it's difficult. It's T-R-O-X-E-L-L. Um, yeah, no Twitter, sadly. Not sad. Right, you can find me everywhere at Sarah the Rebel. Uh, yeah, no, luckily you weren't on Twitter to see the garbage fire that was occurring. <laughs> I, there's a lot of garbage fires on Twitter. It, it's true. I, it's a puppy look it's food oh look a cat and awesome. twitter's like uh, staring to various like circles of hell <laughs> sometimes heaven do when you said that of like you're looking at instagram and it's a cheerful bunny and then you turn look at twitter and it's like a hell bunny <laughs> yeah like antlers and like teeth <laughs> <laughs> a demon jackalope that's what twitter is it's a demon jackalope and I love that shit. So come talk to me on there, Sarah the Rebel. Uh, I also have a Patreon now, um, so you can support me if you would like. Um, share in prints, and there's going to be t-shirts soon, and all sorts of stuff, and photo albums. So see me on there. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening, and we'll be back uh, in two weeks. Woo, two weeks. Two. Two. <laughs>